Dutch politics. It's about being honest. Well, you know, I think it is your good friends who have to tell you the truth now and then. It's about being ambitious. I'm pro-refugee, I'm pro-European, and that's the way I think the left uh, have to go. And it's about being confident. Almost half of the Dutch population agrees with me, whether you like it or not. And that's what makes it fascinating. Hey there, welcome to the Poldercast, the Dutch politics podcast, where in the run-up to the March 17 general elections of the Netherlands, we will bring you up to speed on everything you need to know about Dutch politics. As you're listening to this, our first episode is already out. And if you've listened to the first episode, you will notice that sometimes, as can happen in Dutch politics, not everything is going according to plan. So we decided this might be a good opportunity for us to reflect on the fall of the Rutter cabinet, but also to introduce ourselves a bit and to introduce the Poldercast. Why do we think you should care about Dutch politics? And what is our approach going to be like in the next weeks? My name is Eugen Achterhoff, political nerd, um, originally from the northern part of the Netherlands, but calling in from The Hague, the political heart of the Netherlands that I've been calling home for the past couple of years. And in The Hague, I, as a Dutchman, for some reason became part of this international bubble. So... As a Dutchie and political nerd in The Hague, in an international group of friends, I've often been asked to explain Dutch politics to a non-Dutch-speaking audience. So a couple of months ago, I decided to ask a friend of mine that I knew from back in the day when we were still uh, both studying together in The Hague, if he wanted to join me in making a podcast in English on Dutch politics. And a bit to my surprise, he said, yes, you know, let's do this. So I'm excited to run you through all of the topics you need to know on Dutch politics in the coming weeks and to be doing this together with uh, the man who is living as an EU bubble kid in Brussels right now and can give us interesting insights on Dutch politics from an EU perspective, Mr. Kasper Bruzewitz. Kasper, I'm excited to have you here and um, can you introduce yourself a bit and tell me why you said yes to this idea? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Kasper Bruzewitz. Um, I'm also Dutch. I'm originally from uh, Zwolle in the east of the Netherlands. But after studying in the Netherlands and then moving about a bit, I finally settled down in Brussels, where I've been living and doing EU-related things in the EU bubble for the last couple of years. Um, I'm still very passionate about Dutch politics as well, and particularly what Dutch politics means on a global or a European scale, in a European context. So that made me all the more excited to do this um, podcast about Dutch politics in English, um, to try and get a larger audience clued in on what happens in that, that you know, that, that interesting little country of ours. Um, Because we are an interesting country, right? I think we, so. We, yeah. No, I think that uh, the Netherlands in particular in a European context is, is known as uh, the smallest of the big countries. And the biggest of the small countries, and um, with changing dynamics within the EU, um, with Brexit, for a EU bubble kid like yourself, this must be a moment where you could really uh, reach out to people and hey, tell, be like, hey, you know what? The Netherlands does matter even more than it did. Absolutely, and I, I actually really think that that's true. You know, because I think both the EU is becoming more important globally, and things that happen in Brussels matter to everyone, even if you're not from Europe. And as as you mentioned, with with the the UK leaving 
uh, the European Union. I think the Dutch voice in what happens in Brussels is growing. And therefore, I think it, this is the right moment for people to, to, to learn a bit more about what motivates the Dutch. What are the, the, the dynamics within Dutch politics? Um, to really get a sense of what's going on there. So, uh, so then how are we going to do this? Like, how are we going to give people that insight in, uh, the dynamics of Dutch politics? Yeah. So over the coming weeks, as you know, that March 17th deadline approaches, I think the most important work that we have to do is try and give you some clues into this landscape of Dutch politics with, as people know, even, even abroad, many different players, many different ambitions, things that they can take to, to get a sense of what motivates these different parties, um, what topics are important in the minds of Dutch voters, um, what makes the Netherlands the kind of country that it is and how that reflects uh, politics. So I think that's over. That's the, the main takeaway that you will be getting so that by the time that March uh, rolls around, you'll be able to watch these elections like a pro. And we will try to reach, we will try to uh, publish an episode every week in which we cover the relevant news of that week, but indeed also focus on bigger political trends in the Netherlands. And of course, these trends might not be unique, uniquely a Dutch thing, uh, even though some of them are. But uh, I think that our parliamentary system in, in particular allows for larger political trends that might be uh, happening elsewhere over uh, in Western Europe as well, in particular can be noticed in the Netherlands. Uh, because there's no uh, thresholds, so there's no minimum amount of votes that you need to get uh, there, sorry, there is no minimum amount uh, of percentage of votes that you need to get in order to get a seat in the parliament. So that leads to a very fragmented uh, political landscape. And therefore, uh, any change in in, um, in the political beliefs of the country or of the people of the Netherlands is almost directly being translated back into the uh, second chamber are Dutch Parliament. And that way, the Dutch politics can be seen as somewhat of an early warning system for larger trends <laughs> that will most likely play out um, coming coming through a theatre near you in the next five years, so to say. <laughs> I think it is. I, yeah, I, I really think it is. Yeah. Um, um, but Eugène, before we um, we wrap this up, I think one question that we do have to answer very urgently for anyone who's you know reached on this page and thought this click, most people will be very confused about the name of this podcast. So I think we do need to we have some explaining to do on that front, don't we? I think Polar is a very particular Dutch word. Um, I think it suits the country as well. Uh, but Polder also has a meaning in uh, a political context, in particular in the Netherlands. So um, to wrap it up, a Polder is a, as Jean mentioned, a, a typical Dutch phenomenon. It refers to a an area of land that has been drained um, artificially through the use of dikes, but more more specifically for the, our purposes, also refers to a type of consensus style decision making. Um, primarily between labor unions and employers unions, but it has taken on a certain wider meaning in Dutch political language to just describe the way that Dutch um, politicians approach decision-making, which often relies on building coalitions um, and trying to find consensus um, with all parties before moving ahead. And we thought that this typifies 
Dutch politics and therefore a very appropriate um, name for this podcast and a very appropriate word to introduce to the English language as well. And I think in a way it typifies uh, <laughs> this podcast as well, Casper, because we had we have had quite some arguments on what topics we need to focus on in the coming weeks. Um, so I think a few things that we both agreed on were we need to uh, at least address the rules of the game, but we also need to address the the different wings of our political spectrum. So left wing, uh, perhaps the liberals, uh, the right wing. But then there were also a few topics that we were both sort of disagreeing on, uh, whether that deserved our specific attention of an entire episode. So sometimes uh, <laughs> one of our ep- a few of our episodes will also uh, reflect this polder model where both of us <laughs> disagree very very strongly on uh, on certain matters. And I think that's also uh, that's a challenge for us. But I also think that is what makes it a lot of fun um, for us as well to do because even though sometimes. I couldn't disagree more with the things coming out of your mouth. Uh, I also think it's very uh, entertaining and uh, very challenging for me to uh, <laughs> to bring in some counterweights. Exactly. So with that, let's get on with the show, shall we? Let's do it. Sometimes, when you're just about to go online, current events force you to rethink everything you've done in the past few months. For us this happened when on Friday the 15th of January, the Dutch cabinet resigned after a parliamentary inquiry showed that the Dutch government had for years wrongly accused thousands of parents of committing fraud with childcare benefits. In the wake of this dramatic turn, Eugène and I had a call to discuss the situation and see what consequences this could have for the election and for the Poldercast. Hey, Casper. Hey, Eugene, how's it going? <laughs> yeah, not too well. <laughs> I was literally, I was, I was about to finish the edit for the first episode, um, and I know there, were, there, I know there has been some speculations, but while I was finishing, something it, has happened. Something has happened. While I was finishing so, um, the final edit, headline said, <laughs> "Rutter government resigns over child welfare fraud scandal," <laughs> and I was like, "Oh no." This has obviously um, been going on for a while, and we've been in preparation for this podcast, been uh, been talking for a while. And I, I recall mentioning, um, I don't know precisely how long ago it is, um, <laughs> during one of our calls, and I was like, Eugène, I think um, something that we have to consider is the possibility, yeah, yeah, the strong yeah. possibility of, of this government falling before the election happened. And uh, how, did, how did you respond to that? Could you could you remind me? I I, I don't remember. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I no, think the words uh, "no chance in hell" were were, were mentioned um, somewhere along the lines. But um, I, I don't know what I hate more about this: the fact that I <laughs> that we have to reconsider how we're going to do this entire podcast, or the fact that you will keep reminding me of this. That's a, that's an interesting question. Do you think we have to structurally reconsider um, our podcast? Um, maybe some parts, yeah, but I think overall, um, I think that the stories that we will be focusing on will still give uh, a listener a good background in order to uh, analyze Dutch politics. Also, this just proves that Dutch politics is unpredictable, but I don't know, like I, 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 
I also at the same time like yeah okay the government is has resigned but I don't think it's going to change that much for the coming weeks. I I agree. I and I think that the general gist of of what um what we will we will be discussing more or less holds true and I think with the back with this in the back of our minds we were already in the recording but perhaps it's it's good just as 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 um you know necessary context that we do discuss um this scandal uh, at least a little bit briefly um as a context for what we're going to be doing over the coming weeks no i think that's the, yeah i think that's a fair point and well for you yeah okay i'm going to give it to you for you it started a while back ago for me i really thought there is really no one who would benefit from the government stepping down right now and i know this is that the biggest uh victims in this whole scandal are the are the parents who being wrongly branded as fraudsters but i do also think that we are victims here casper and it's it's ridiculous <laughs> that the government did not think of us <laughs> it is very inconsiderate of them that's true but just to give a little bit of an overview of of what this scandal is about and i don't think that we here can actually dig into the intricacies of all the ins and outs of this particular scandal, but I think we can try and give a small overview. So at the heart of this um, problem lies that in the Netherlands uh, for years, and and I believe this is still the case, um, parents can get a tax relief or tax credit for helping out with the payment of of, um, after-school care, if I'm not mistaken, Correct. Um, yeah. Which, due to a complete lapse in in, in oversight with the tax authorities uh, all the way up to government, thousands of people were incorrectly um, they were wrongly branded as fraudsters. And exactly, yeah. they were wrongly branded as, as as fraudsters and were forced to pay back incredible sums of money, even though there were people um, both very incredible journalists and politicians who have insisted throughout these years that these people get justice. Um, it has taken an incredibly long t- amount of time for anything to happen. And and just to give you an impression of the size of this, of this problem, um, it has been uh, speculated that over 20,000 parents are wrongly being labeled as a fraudster right now. And I think initially the, the whole purpose was of this. So what they did was, a couple of years ago, the government started this specific investigation into uh, child welfare fraud, as it was suspecting people with dual nationalities to live abroad while keep getting all this uh, all these benefits. But I think a main problem was then that they just they they just went too far. They uh, wrongly uh, just accused people with dual nationalities. So also did this this ignites this this thought and this feeling of ethnic minorities that there be, that there is institutional discrimination from the government and this comes as a massive shock and and i believe that if it wasn't for covid this would have been even even a bigger scandal than it is right now but absolutely i think what you say is true it it, it touches on i think very fundamental issues that have lingered I think at least over the last 10 years, um, but have now come through the force. So it touches on, on, um, elements of, of institutional discrimination, but also I would wager, um, just, just a narrative of, of, um, foreigners, um, 
abusing Dutch systems combined with, and I think this has become more prominent as the scandal dragged on, an absolute intransigence and, and, and a lack of transparency of the Dutch government under Prime Minister Mark Rutte, um, what is now being referred to as what's called the Rutte Doctrine. So a a, a government which, which seems to have a conception of, of citizens as being inherently suspicious, um, and, and, and coupled with that, um, a complete unwillingness of the government to provide any transparent reporting of its decision making. Um, so that means that both journalists and the parliament, which isn't meant to be an overseer of the, the government and act as a check, wasn't able to conduct its role, uh, effectively as it should have. So, yeah, for me, I, I really thought that, um, the government's will not like that they will not resign simply because we have a bigger crisis to deal with and in fact if you looked at polls that they held under the the members of coalition part of the coalition parties um the majority also did believe that they shouldn't step down and in fact it's always i think it's always hard to uh, point out who is responsible here um Nevertheless, there is something as as uh, politicians and ministers uh, being responsible for the, the policies of their ministry. So in that, in that ideology and that school of thought, um, I think, yeah, the government probably had to step down. Um, but also interesting is, uh, what does this leave us with now? Because we still have a prime minister. Uh, the um, All of the four parties of the coalition, so uh, D66, the Liberal Democrats, the Liberal Party VVD of Prime Minister Mark Rutte, Christian Democratic Appeal and the Christian Union uh, still have two months left before the elections. The elections are not going to change. They're still going to happen on the 17th of March 2021. And they still have the corona crisis to deal with. And they've also stated that they will still support the actions that the current, uh, that the current uh, cabinet will take in order to tackle COVID-19. So they still hold a majority, right? Like it, not much is changing. No, in effect, and now between, and also important to note that, that as is common before elections, the government was already will inf- would have informally entered a, um, a time frame from, I believe, the 12th of February on where no new proposals would be tabled anyway. So in that sense, in effect, this is a very, minor change and no disruption i would say to the conduct of government but symbolically i think it is a very big deal and this while i think this partly was done to diffuse the situation and not make it a subject of um the ongoing campaign going forward uh in the run-up to the election i think this will be play a very fundamental role in that debate i think it is important to note that um one of the important leading figures in the scandal, the leader of the PVDA, has now stepped down and will not be taking that role, which I think does put increased pressure on both Mark Rutte and also in a, in a smaller capacity, I would say, the current leader of the of the Democratic Appeal, the CDA, um, because both of those were both of them were ministers um, charged with this file, uh, and both are staying on as leaders of their respective parties going into this election. So that does make them somewhat of a target. Yeah, this for sure will be a very prominent topic uh, in the campaigns that the opposition will use against Prime Minister Mark Rutte and and maybe also against the uh, leader of the CDA. 
So I'm excited to see what will happen in the in the upcoming weeks uh, in this campaign. So that's what we have in store for you in the coming weeks. If you want to stay up to date with the latest information, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other usual places. Or reach out to us on social media. See you next week. Till next week.